0: <laughs> Next morning when we woke up after we had tied the knot was the very end of that, of that specific breed of anxiety in my life. I cried. I was like, he like
1: broke down. I was like,
0: holy cow, a million pounds off my shoulders we did this. I felt such relief from having something that I had not only like I, I it was like focused all of a sudden. This is where I'm gonna put my heart here and it's no more like is this where i'm putting my heart it is okay no it isn't okay it is no it is it was like it was solidified and that was that was amazing
2: okay let's do this this is jeff i'm andre are you ready
3: i'm ready love or work
2: is anyone listening
3: No, don't put that on the air.
2: These two people are really, really funny.
3: This one made me cry.
2: World Series champion. Around the entire world. (laughs) NBA All-Star. We
3: hope you love this interview as much as
2: we did. Love or work. Welcome to the Love Work podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. And we are thankful that you're here listening right now, wherever you're at, whether you're in a car, whether you're on a walk, whether you're on a run, where else could people be?
3: I think I listen to a lot of podcasts while I wash dishes or fold clothes because it's the worst job ever at the house, and I just need something to brighten my day while I do those tasks. Wow.
2: Okay. I listen to it when we're walking the dog in the morning.
3: Yes, I know you do.
2: Um, But yeah, we're thankful that you're here.
3: Yes. So while you're washing those darn dishes, we can't wait to tell you about who we're talking to today. Dishes
2: and love and work.
3: (laughs) So today, we are interviewing Tripp and Hannah Crosby. And they... Uh, it's
0: I Actually,
2: I'm not sure if Hannah's ever changed her last name.
3: No, she... Hannah Joyner Crosby, maybe? Maybe. But she is on Instagram. She's an abstract artist and is on Instagram at Hannah Joyner. So I want to make sure people know that because you need to check out her Instagram and look at her art. It's amazing. They
2: have been friends of ours for years. And one
3: I tidbit. I have her art all over my house.
2: Yeah, yeah. One tidbit about Hannah is that she has supported my organization through her art for every year that we've ever done an art auction. 10, year, ten, ten years. 10 years. Is it about 10 or 9?
3: Next year's 10.
2: Next, so hopefully she'll support us again next year. But <laughs> she <laughs> uh,
3: And then Tripp is, uh, I guess he's a great friend, but. I would say you would know him most from a lot of YouTube videos, funny YouTube videos online.
2: Amazing. I mean, many have gone He's viral, so creative. Yeah, he sees the world from such a unique perspective. Yes. We actually one one uh, interesting thing about them, we crashed at their on their couch one time. Do you remember that?
3: Oh, no, not even that. We drove our rickety VW bus. Up into their driveway. One of the few
2: people (laughs) that saw us on that trip, we visited them in Los Angeles. That was a fun night. It
3: was awesome. So they got to see RV Dub.
2: So going looking forward to this, I okay, before we get into like the three things to listen to, we always tell every couple that we meet or talk with on this podcast, we ask them, we say, Will if you are vulnerable, if you are authentic, this is what people really, really, really want to hear. The question is, how you know, how willing are people, you know, to go there, right? Yeah. To share the story that is really, really personal. and
3: If there's one interview that we've ever done about going there, this is this it. This is it. This is the most raw, real... Honest. Honest interview. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you need to listen.
2: Yeah, to the end.
3: All the way to the end.
2: Um, so I don't want to just say, like... Do these three things I just I want to tell you this is very very vulnerable
3: so what should we be listening for, oh, listening for. uh so I just have two things
2: number one how the uh, they they're part of this community group it's so important to them but they don't go to the church they just go to the community group <laughs> I love that and then secondly
3: we've done that for a while
2: yeah two tips that they received from two very influential people in the atlanta area and beyond andy stanley and reggie joiner reggie's hannah's dad um before they got married the two tips that they received from these um really wise men in their lives and um, how it played out in their marriage all along
3: yes so get yourself ready. Get ready maybe get a few tissues get ready i was crying folks this is it hannah and trip crosby All right. Hey, 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 wait. I got one more thing.
2: Oh, my goodness. Another
3: thing? Yeah. So this is the first time we've done this. Oh, yeah. We are doing a live podcast. Live and in person. Like you're going to be there
2: live. It's not going to be a hologram.
3: Oh, my gosh. There's no such thing. Okay. So it's going to be a live podcast for Love or Work on March 19th at 8 p.m. at Plywood Place. And so if you are in the Atlanta area, we would love... For you to come, we'd love to meet you. Oh, my mm. goodness. To actually see people face-to-face that are listening, I would love it. It would make me so happy. Live and in person, you're going to be there. You keep, you keep like, double-guessing if I'm going to be there well, or not.
2: Well, because, let's be honest, everyone wants to meet you.
3: That's ridiculous.
2: So this is okay. Be fun. So
3: you have to buy a ticket though, and there's only a hundred spots, and you need to go to LoverWork.com and buy a ticket. You'll and we'd get all love the to see there. you. And you'll get your the rest of your details, address, everything else. So here's what I would recommend:
2: you know, ask your partner if they'll go with
3: you. Oh, the, you're gonna turn this into the date.
2: I think this could be an am- amazing great date. date night. It's go different, to people. It's different. Go to dinner. Ask right now. Just get out your phone, text your partner, and ask them to go on a date with you. Just like I told a few weeks back. Ask them to go and say, we're doing all the work. All you have to do is get some dinner with your, with your friend, and, um, and then you're going to come to our thing, and it's going to be great.
3: <laughs> this is your date night from Jeff and Andre. Um, but we'd love to see you, and Get a ticket. We it. only have 100 spots. That's it. Let's get back to the interview now.
2: All
0: right, let's do this. When we met, it was through work because I knew her dad, Reggie, before her and had done work with his nonprofit, Rethink. And they were bringing me in on a new project that Hannah was in charge of. So we started meeting for project reasons, but really, I think it was obvious that we both wanted to flirt. I had been in a really bad relationship for three years that ended only months before we started meeting for this project. And to be completely frank, I was kind of on a rampage at the time. And I really just wanted to hook up with as many people as I could and Hannah was next on the list. <laughs> wow. And
3: there you have it folks.
0: How does that feel? Hannah. Huh?
3: Hannah.
0: I it wasn't like okay, there wasn't a list, but when we started meeting for the project I, I got this vibe we were flirting and i thought oh, okay this is good this is probably gonna happen and, and to be
1: fair i was in the same kind of season okay so right. yeah there was a lot of sexual yeah. energy right
0: <laughs> there was and so we went on this we, we didn't go on a date we just kind of met up at a concert at smith's old bar and then afterwards we went to l bar which is like a bar but kind of a club and yeah we were going to dance, and we didn't really. We ended up sitting in this back room and talking for like four hours, and then have pretty much continued that conversation that started that night for five years. Hmm. So, what started as a attempt at getting some action, action turned into like a really real, amazing friendship. Hmm. It just kind of hit us out of nowhere. Now, we brought baggage into that relationship. I'm sure that's probably assumed just based on how we introduced the story. But that baggage kept us in a dating relationship for three years after that. And that some people, that's not long. But I was already in my 30s. She was already in her 20s. <laughs> and so that baggage was stuff, stuff we had to deal with. And we did. And eventually, we got married very, very confidently and um, we've we've not looked back. Hmm. Hmm. That
2: actually reminds me of their wedding because did you guys know that we were late to your wedding?
1: Oh my I God. think you told us, since, <laughs> but no, we had no idea.
2: I <laughs> think about it every wedding we go to now.
1: Well,
3: it was so embarrassing <laughs> you know, because how it was, late were you? It well, it, you guys had such an intimate, you know, and then it was outdoors yeah. too, uh-huh. and so <laughs> like sneak in.
0: Oh, you There's no way sneak to sneak in. in. It's like oh whoa. my gosh.
3: And then you're, you're walking, you know, it's outdoors. So, like, every step we took on that, like, gravel was like, <laughs> 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 it was horrible.
2: Okay. So, how many years have you been married now?
3: Five.
0: Five on March 15th.
3: And then two children mm-hmm.
0: a one year old girl and a three year old boy. Okay. Both newly those ages.
3: Yes. Just had birthdays. Yeah. What I really loved about even the start of your story is you're kind of talking about baggage and talking about how mm. you really had to deal with it. Tell me about what that entailed. Tell me about, you know, I mean, I remember having dinner with you guys when you were still dating and it was like, there's just things. There's so many mm. things and I, we just we can't go to the next level. So what did you intentionally do?
1: Well, I feel like it's probably different for both of us, but, um, I was coming out of like a, a very like emotionally abusive relationship before I started dating trip. And I was just very skeptical of men. And so, um, even though I had every reason to trust trip, I think I brought like a lot of skepticism into our relationship. And so I actually, trip had been in a part of counseling for, since, I met you, I don't even know when it started, years before. And he actually asked his counselor for a recommendation for me. I mean, I wanted it. And so I had, I started seeing a counselor in the middle of our dating relationship to just deal with all the things that I had been through that I had just never dealt with. I never knew how to deal with. Mm-hmm.
0: These weren't little things either.
1: No, they were things that I, I didn't even realize had completely impacted who I was on a day-to-day basis like how I interacted with the trip how I interacted with other people I wasn't a very joyous person I think I really wanted it I wanted to be happy and fun but and I think that's part of why I was so attracted to trip but deep down I wasn't because I hadn't dealt with the stuff that was holding me mm-hmm. down so um and I think he had his own stuff to deal with, but I also think he knew he didn't know exactly what it was I was dealing with or why, but I think he knew there's just something she hasn't dealt with and she's Mm. not where she needs to be. Mm. I mean, I think you could say that now for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was a lot of my hesitation in moving forward was just sensing some dysfunction Mm. in our relationship. And I'm not going to say we both didn't have dysfunction, but I had, I was like eight years into therapy at this point. And a lot of mine I dealt with, and I, I was, I'm eight years older than Anna, so yeah. I'd have more time to deal with mine. So I was aware of it, but there was just this thing about her that made me want to just keep looking past it and believing in a more restored, healthy version of her, which is what I get now on a day to day basis. And it goes against a lot of the advice I was given about dating <laughs> It was like, Hey, if there's, you know, if, if they don't seem healthy or there's this or that, like run, it was kind of how I grew up, but I don't know. I'd been in relationships <clears throat> that checked all those boxes, but there was always something missing mm. that kept me wanting to just fight for it to continue. And this one didn't check the boxes, but that thing was there.
1: Yeah.
0: And so we just kept going.
1: And I think something that you actually said this, someone told you this about another girlfriend you had, but it always stuck with me. He told you that the most important thing was the direction that they were headed, not necessarily where exactly they were. Hmm. So I think for both of us, we knew we were headed in the right direction. We just were at different places, but, but we mm. had confidence in knowing we were headed the yeah. same way.
0: My therapist had, i have been meeting with him through lots of relationships and Hannah was the first one that he, he kept wanting me to fight for. Hmm. And he, you know, I would come in there with ready to just unload all these issues. And, and my story was always like, why can't I get out of this relationship that I want to get out of, Mm. you know, would always, his response is always like, he just didn't seem like he was convinced I really wanted to. And he, he at some point said, those red flags are yellow. He's like, I would tell you if they were red flags, Mm. but those are yellow flags. And I got to the point where eventually because I think he was smarter than me because he should be because he has a doctorate in these kinds of things. He said, well, then just get out of it. Hmm. Hmm. And I think he knew that you didn't want to. Well, I had to kind of go there. So three, two and a half years in, I realized, okay,
1: That's
0: three years, three years. in, I realized I got to, you know, shit or get off the pot here. So mm-hmm. I initiated a, a a break for a couple of weeks and we didn't really have a label for it or call it anything. I just said I need some time and we took time apart and that's all it took for me Mm -hmm. to just get away alone and realize, no, I'm in.
3: Yeah. This wasn't what you wanted. So how do you make the, like how, it seems like a lot of stuff. And then you, how do you make the leap then to be like, okay, we're both, we're good. We're doing it and go into like the marriage part.
1: I knew I wanted to marry Trip probably a year in.
3: Okay.
1: He wasn't. And also I was a lot younger and more naive to marriage. Right. The idea. Yeah. So, um, and I didn't have my life together nearly as much as he did either. So I'm like, I'll jump into life with you. Like you have your stuff together, you know? Um, but I think his perspective was a little bit different. And he, three years in when he took that break, I don't think he came back just like he hadn't dealt he, the commitment issues weren't just gone.
0: I no, mean, no. Say- I, I had a few anxiety attacks during that. But between the time that we took the break and decided to get married and got married, that was probably the hardest season for me. Hmm. Because at that point I was moving counter to my um, my unhealthy tendencies. Like the the unhealthy parts of me kept me from progressing in relationships my whole life. And at some point it was a matter of me actually taking steps that didn't feel natural, Mm. but I knew were the right ones. And so I just had to do that. And man, it was hard. I I actually got on some medication for a little while there and um, at our actual wedding, (laughs) I was still like, I was kind of trailing towards the end of my medication that I was supposed to be taking. And I was back there, about to like come out. I think the music had started and the grandmothers were being hobbled down the aisle or whatever happens. And I was like, Dad, I need my bag over there. He's like, Why? I said, Well, I think my, my medication's in there. And Andy, who was marrying us, was like, Medication? I was like, Yeah, for anxiety. He was like, Anxiety? I, I think it really concerned, him. <laughs> but, but I had such anxiety. Um,
1: but this has been, anxiety has been something we've both dealt yeah. with our entire life. It's not like it just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, this is no lie though. The morning. Andy's like, he's going to bolt. Next morning,
1: <laughs> the know. next
0: morning when we woke up after we had tied the knot was the very end of that, of that specific breed of anxiety in my life.
1: Interesting. I
0: cried. I was like, he like
1: broke down. I was like,
0: holy cow a million pounds off my shoulders. We did this. I felt such relief from having something that I had not only, like I, I, it was like focused all of a sudden. This is where I'm going to put my heart here. Mm. and I'm, It's no more like, is this where I'm putting my heart? It is. Okay, no, it isn't. Okay, it is. No, it isn't. It was like, it was solidified. And that was, that was amazing.
2: I'm curious. Um, so, so, me cry. <laughs> <laughs> so some people like don't, they probably didn't, and think about listeners right now that are in the midst of wrestling with anxiety and mm-hmm. wrestling with maybe even the ba- past baggage from relationships, but they brought it into their into their marriage. They never dealt with these things prior to this and i I'm curious what advice you'd give to them number one, and then secondly i'm also I'm also intrigued i'm I'm sure those things don't fully go away right? So as you start to see those things reemerge in your partner, how do you guys together kind of work through that? Because I think that could be some things that people could really want to learn from.
1: I feel like we have, I mean, you can speak to this, but I think we have one like main go-to answer every time and it's mental health. Like we go to therapy, therapy, we go to And we haven't stopped. Like, I mean, we've had, you know, we've had months off, but we are still, we're in a great place right now, but we're going once a month because there, there's just something about being able to sit in front of someone who has studied brain, you know, brain chemistry and has dealt with all the kinds of things that we've dealt with and knows how to give us very clear, um, constructive Mm -hmm. advice. And it's
0: not just advice. It's like taking us through a process. It's, It's like the difference in watching a youtube video about how to get in shape in 60 days versus having a personal trainer it's like no if you want to get here i'm going to walk you through these steps evaluate we as we go adjust as we go and actually do some hard work with you that's the difference and we feel like we're getting that for our brains and our relationship
1: when people are having marriage issues if they're not in therapy then i don't know i don't know how to get like to help I
0: don't know how people see the forest from the trees of their own lives. You know, I, I, I can't, I did not know what I did not know until I talked to someone who had lots of research and experience under their belt. Mm-hmm. You asked what advice we would give people with that anxiety. Do you still want me to answer that? Yeah. Cause I've been thinking about that for people that have anxiety, especially commitment anxieties. I don't think my story necessarily applies to all of them. I do think there are some people who have anxiety because they want a relationship to work that just shouldn't. And this is again why it's important to put yourself in a position where you get good feedback because every story is different. I mean, I can't, I couldn't even begin to count the amount of times in my adolescent and young adult life I was given advice from someone that was basically just, the advice they needed. It was, it was only applicable to their own story. Everybody's story is so different. You know, it's, it's so hard to just give advice. Like the best thing I find is just to help people deal with themselves and understand themselves. And then when, when you, when they find themselves actually wanting the relationship, then they've arrived. You can't, you can't, there's just no, it's just not healthy to to, Anyway, I I don't think it's as much of a, um, a, a math equation as we'd like it to be when we have anxiety, we're looking for that perfectly solvable problem and it just isn't it's, it's complicated. And
3: well, there's such a spectrum, right? Like I feel like anxiety is a very big spectrum. So it it can go from, you know, debilitating every day, panic attack, you know, Mm -hmm. all that to just intense nervousness when you're around a lot of people, you know, or right. like certain situations cause it. So I think there's just a really big mm-hmm. spectrum and everybody is probably somewhere on that spectrum. And so, yeah. you know, some need medication and some don't, and some right. just need, to, you know, like.
0: In my case, I had medication going for a few months and that's it. And the rest of my adult life, I've dealt with it in other ways.
3: Exactly. Um, so I think everybody's I think you're right. There's not this, like, here's your five steps to success <laughs> and overcoming anxiety, you know, it's,
2: yeah. Okay, I want, I want to turn, shift, shift the conversation a little bit. I want to go back to when you guys decided to go to California um, because I think there's some interesting things you guys learned through that, no, being friends with you and, like, knowing through I mean, to be clear, Hannah, you did this to support his dream. Is that a fair...
1: Yeah. I, um, yes, but so, okay. The whole time trip and I had dated, he talked <clears throat> a lot about wanting to go to LA. Um, but I knew he wasn't gonna, he wasn't going by himself. I mean, he just be like, I wish I lived in LA. I, I wish I could move to LA. And then when we got engaged, I, for multiple reasons, but one of the reasons was I don't, I don't want to not go to LA and then like in 5 years you we like have kids and then you're like we should go to LA. Mm-hmm. I wanted to start there and I knew it was his dream, but also we both grew up in Georgia, our families were here, our lives were here. We were both established here as individuals and I just had this desire to like get out and mm. be us by ourselves. We
0: wanted to build an identity as a couple that wasn't based on the lens of our own families that we were constantly filtering everything through in our own communities.
1: I was really close with my dad, and I still am, and he he's really close with his mom. And there was just this, like, I, I didn't know how to be married to Trip and him be my, like, my main person. Your only, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. And it so it was, he, was too easy to run to elsewhere. your
1: family. Go back yeah. and talk to your dad about something instead of yes. talking right. to Trip. Yeah. So there were a lot of underlying just motivations there.
0: I think we're uh, both as excited about just the adventure of it
1: mm-hmm.
0: as I was the, the career part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, you know, we just thought like let's get out of here and go do something fun while we're, while we can. Yeah. And it was,
3: Yeah.
2: what did you learn through that experience as you left, you know, you left your families Yeah, you, know, you came back a lot, but, You went and had
3: some loneliness with that
1: too.
2: Yeah, talk about that year, and I think it was about a year that you were out there. um, You were out there almost three three years. Three years. Three years. I didn't think that
1: long. More of our marriage so far than we've been here, actually. But the first year, I was actually really depressed. Hmm. Like, I think, I mean, I had never moved away. Like that was, I got me in the same month I got married and moved across the country. And it was really fun and exciting, but LA is a lonely place. And there's not just like people that have simple schedules you can build relationships with quickly. Um, we made a lot of great friends, but everyone's schedules were all over the place. And it wasn't, it was just really hard. To I mean, go some to people
0: have that, but it turned out for us that the friendships we made were, you know, based on connections that we kind of had and they were very segmented. So hmm. we didn't have community. We just had friends that we tried to work things out with. We didn't have family. Look, the thing that's great about LA is also the thing that's hard about it. People move to LA to pursue their dreams. That's the only reason they move there. <laughs> and so when you have a city full of people pursuing their dreams, guess what comes first no matter what? The dream. Like, your dreams. So like the work. So like there's not it, it's just a different vibe. I liked it, but it you know, there there was challenges to that. Yeah. When it came to feeling But I,
1: I think that first year we also, it was probably good that we didn't just immediately build community because we were forced to work through some like, like, oh, we're, we're actually married and you are all I have right now. So mm. if, if this isn't working and this isn't good, then I'm like oh, completely alone.
0: That was pretty disappointing to you in some moments.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> all those expectations. Well, out yeah, the but window. <laughs> I feel like it just, it made us grow so much closer, um, And I didn't even know we could be closer. We, we, from the time we started dating, we were together almost every single day. Like we dove in and now all of a sudden I'm like, how, I didn't even know I could be this much closer to you. But I I think we learned a lot. We, we had our first kid out there and we were by ourselves. I mean, for six months, we had him there for six months and I learned to be a mom without my mom and without his mom and without my mom, friends. Um, but honestly, that was the best thing that could have happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you- it
0: wasn't necessarily pleasant, but it <laughs> well, was a very good thing. I feel
1: like the first time. It was exciting,
0: were- but it, it was hard. It was for you, because I was actually gone a lot during those six months. I had a lot going on. And
1: yeah.
2: Anyway. Tripp, you said something about the difference between community and friends. Yeah. I have a feeling you guys have you've thought a lot about this. Now that you guys are back, you yes. talk about how community has played a big role in your family. And as you
0: guys have grown as a, as a yeah. couple and a, as a family. Um, well, right now we are in a community group through North point community church, <laughs> wow. which we swore we, we swore would we never, never do. do we don't really I even believe allow- you're
3: even going to church. We're not.
0: not. (laughs) (laughs) Let me explain. So, um, you know, we we came, I don't don't want that to be taken the wrong way. Like our values and beliefs have have shifted a lot and we, we don't necessarily align with what I think you're probably assumed to align with to be part of such a group. But we had some friends in our neighborhood when we moved here and they started inviting us to some dinner parties and things. And we just hit it off with these people. And before long, they kind of started becoming our friends and they were like, why don't you just join our group? So we did, and it has been fantastic. I mean, these are our people now. We, we, mm. we meet once a week and that was the part we were scared about because we're like, all right, what kind of thing do we have to read and watch and just be quiet during? Because the whole time we're like, <laughs> roll our eyes at it. Um, but it's been not that at all. I mean, it's a group of 12 couples. Of course, we're kind of all over the map in every area. But we found that we've been very accepted for who we are and what we have to contribute, what we question, what we feel passionate about. There's other people in the group that can relate to us on a lot of that more than we expected. Hmm. And now we're going to this once a week thing and having these conversations. They're the same people that on a random Tuesday night, it's like, hey, who's up? Who wants to go get drinks somewhere? We do it. We have kids' birthday parties that we're all at. We have. It's just... Like regular people in our life, who we're sharing things with, and who we're enjoying our time with, that is something we have not had since we've been married. Ever. Yeah, and it yeah. is fantastic. Uh, oh, and I'm not even I wouldn't I would say these aren't even my closest friends.
3: Right. Yeah. I
0: think yeah. they're on the road to being uh, my closest friends. Are the people that I don't really have community with? <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's a weird because you,
3: right.
2: you that, don't see that's why you ask.
0: There's a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, it's all the same, but that takes time. I mean, my closest friends I've been building this relationship with for 20 years. Mm. You know, most of them I knew in high school. Um, so it's hard to compete with that as a new person. But we found that that isn't enough. We actually need community. We need people that our kids see and experience mm. and have and are friends with their kids. We need people who, um, to call when something in our house doesn't work that I have no clue how to fix. <laughs> All the cliches. It's the day-to-day. It's so cliche. It's I want to roll my eyes on <laughs> myself that I'm in this group, but it's so great. Hmm. So great.
2: All right, a different question. Thinking about, you know, you guys talked about, um, about Hannah's dad, and Hannah comes from this family of, like, literally kind of family experts in a weird way. Um, uh, is that, you know, which has, you know, your family has dysfunction also, right? In, in the midst oh, of everything, yeah. I'm curious trip, like for you on one hand, how, how do you deal with the expectations of that and the realities of that? But then also like, what have you learned and applied to your family related to, to, to her story?
0: It's not at all what people would think. Hmm. Hannah's family, her dad's especially because he's the one that's speaking out does not speak from this authoritative place on. This is how families work. Her dad takes a much more humble approach. That's, I mean, he'll say like, I did it all wrong. I want to help people not make those same mistakes. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really what's motivating him is to give parents and families what he didn't feel like he had, even as a pastor in a church. As a pastor in a church, you're the one that's supposed to be telling everyone how the universe works and offering them everything that person needs to have a life. And he's saying, I didn't have all of it. And that's what I want to help with. So it's not what people think. Um, I don't feel any pressure from her parents Hmm. to perform or be any certain way. The only pressure I feel is to not say the wrong thing publicly that would. affect them. Backlash or like. Because that kind of stuff happens in the world he leads. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a very easy to offend subculture.
3: <laughs> so what's the most important piece of advice that you got from him or the most important thing that you...
0: Ironically, when I sat across from the table at him, with him at Ted's Montana Grill and told him I wanted to marry his daughter, he said, I'm sure you're going to do premarital counseling and that's great. But the only thing I want to tell you to do, like his his only advice was, please also do first year of marriage counseling,
1: Mm -hmm. Hmm. which I don't think he did. (laughs) Again, I yeah I I think you know their generation looks at looks at counseling very differently, and I think he just I don't know he realizes how important it is.
0: We Um, got one piece of advice from Reggie and one piece of advice from Andy that have maintained. It, they've popped up in conversations our entire marriage.
3: Let's hear it. Reggie Joyner we're talking about and Andy Stanley. Go ahead.
0: Reggie Joyner is Hannah's dad and he's the pastor guy. And he told us to get pre or oh, sorry, first year of marriage counseling. Andy, who married us, which meant we had to go sit in his office and do the thing that you do with the pastor before they marry you, which was as awkward for us as it was for him. <laughs> especially since that meeting was really him telling us he accidentally double booked Weddings. He doesn't even do weddings. He
1: never does weddings. But he
0: he he promised us and Steve Fee the same day. Yeah. So he was all he was all flustered. But he said, Look, I'm just gonna tell you the one thing I know to tell you. He goes, This is really all there is to it. He said, Uh, the secret to marriage is generous explanations. Like, what does that mean? He said, Well, he said, You're going to offend each other, you're going to hurt each other. So, When that happens, when you're the one that's hurt and when you're the one that's offended, just work on being generous with the explanation you allow the person to give. They have their reasons. Understand and listen to why they did what they did or said what they said, which is proven to be the hardest thing in our marriage. I mean, he was pretty right. Mm -hmm. He's He's like, I've talked to hundreds, if not thousands of divorced couples, and I will tell you every time, it's always the other person's fault. That, and that, that has been the hardest thing for us. I mean.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Is wanting to give the other person the benefit of the doubt when they have clearly hurt.
1: Yeah. Or just grace. Yeah. assuming we know each other's intentions or explanations before yeah. we are allowed to give them. That's amazing. I like it.
3: All right. We're going to shift gears again. Hannah, you are an artist. And yes. have been, I mean, before kids, before all the things. You've always been that. And. I just, I'm curious how uh, you have struggled or how things have changed since having kids and continuing your work and your creativity and all of that. How, I mean, how did you struggle with like letting that go and being like, oh, okay, I got to be a mom now because, you know, this is just like my art yeah. thing or, you know, how, how is that kind of. I think we could just live so, here the rest of the So, yeah, you, uh, no, I, we
1: won't, but. Um you know it's funny because I I don't know if people relate to this or not but I don't think it's what people expect. Um are you familiar with you guys familiar with Enneagram? Yes. So oh, I'm a 3. Okay. Um 3 with a very very strong 4 wing. And I that's important. That. I can definitely Yeah, that. that's important because I am not just this like artist who like just makes things to make them like, I, I wish I was honestly, but I really have this like being deep down inside of me that wants to feel successful. Mm -hmm. And I always have, I mean, since I was a kid, I I have. And, um, honestly having kids has like skyrocketed my passion for painting and creating and having my own business. And I don't really, know exactly why. Um, I think that kids gave me a lot of purpose that I know I'm never going to lose. And I think I've, because I'm a three, I'm so scared of failure and I never really jumped into my business full force because I think I was scared I was going to fail at it. And once I had kids, it was like,
0: she won't even play a board game if she's played it before and didn't win.
1: No, that's not even true. That's such an exaggeration. That's, a, that's a high three right there. <laughs> I, I, if it's a game I know I'm really bad at. I don't want to play it because right. embarrassment for a three is the worst. And yeah. him and his sister are super competitive. And they like, they have every board game memorized. It's like so annoying. So when I play with them, I'm like, I, I literally sit there like dumbass. I'm like, I don't know any of this. And this is not even fun for me. It's fun for them whatever. Anyway, okay, go so, back into your art here. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what I was saying. Um, so I think when I had kids, I just, I like found myself and I knew that they were always going to be a part of me, whether or not I spent every hour of the day with them or not. And I, I all of a sudden got this confidence that like, I'm, I'm their mom. I'm his wife and I am an artist and I don't have to like try to prove any of that. And so I think, I don't know. I just had this passion to, to dive into my business. Um, Of course I feel guilty a lot that I'm not spending as much time with my kids, but it's funny. I was thinking about this yesterday. I think it applies more to Neva, my daughter than miles, but I hear all these moms say, I'm never going to get these years back. I'm never going to get these days back. And that's why I want to stay home. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's beautiful. That's amazing for me because I was born with this like drive and passion to do this. I look at my daughter and I think this is the only time in my life that I'm going to get to pursue this with this kind of passion and this kind of drive because I have it right now. Right? Like I might not have it in 10 years. And if I don't pursue it, then Neva, when she's a mom, she might look back and go, well, my mom stayed home with me and she, she left her dreams because she, Um, wanted to raise us. And that's what I have to do. And I just, that's not my heart. Like I really want to build what I'm passionate about so that she sees that in me and she feels the freedom to do it if she wants to.
0: I love this because I actually want my daughter to watch Hannah pursue her dreams more, more than I want Hannah to be with her every single hour of the day. I want her to be modeled what it looks like to have confidence and a desire to contribute to society.
3: I think it's so you
0: just hit. Yeah. Not that being stay at home mom is not contributing to society.
3: No, but Please, it's uh, super-
0: chill out. It's not what I meant. I'm just saying
3: yes. this isn't, this isn't, I just really want to be clear because this is never going to be this fight between staying home and working. Like no. that is not the conversation that we're
0: talking about. And so there, there are downsides to both. Yeah.
3: There is, and there's sacrifices in both. So, right. um, but yes, I hear you that this isn't like a bashing of stay home or not or whatever. But I love yeah. that. I love that. How do you trip feel like? Uh, what What does it take for you to support that? I mean, how How does that impact? I'm sure that makes changes to how you're gonna do things yeah. and how, you know, you travel it a lot.
0: Never, yeah, it's never been uh, it's never been hard for me to want Hannah to expand who she is professionally. I've always been excited about what she does. I think I've been more confident in her than she has been for a long time. Mm. Um, the challenge is really just that we're both like that. Mm. So. Um, you know it, take us to
2: take us to a familiar? yes what? take us to a moment where it hit ahead
3: where the tension between love and work or between you two being very similar in your uh, passions uh, okay. yeah
1: take us to a real take us
2: to point. a moment
1: okay so one of the times i i don't remember an exact moment this has happened more than once um Trip will come home from a long day at work and our house will be a disaster. I won't have dinner ready, which he, by the way, never put like all of that on me, but I, I've assumed a lot of it. Um, because our culture, like, you know, kind of has put that on women. And so I think I put more pressure on myself than he, than he ever does, but he does not thrive and messy and he likes structure and I, I like structure, but I'm really bad at it. So, Um, there have been some fights where everything's just kind of falling apart and our kids maybe are just melting down and it feels like we should be spending more time with them than we are. And he hits this place where he's like, are we doing the right thing? And it's just this big question, which throws me into a panic of like, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible parent. Like I haven't, and wife and I haven't been doing, I go down this trail of like, he thinks i'm a failure at right. all of this stuff which isn't true but i i go there and then we just spiral into this rethinking everything um however i do want to say he you asked him how it's different for him and i just i feel so lucky that he has supported my dreams it trip is not a like he's the leader of our family and he he doesn't ever pull that card which a lot of people in the south i they kind of like take that, um, which just isn't how we work. And he has always treated me like I'm the, his other half. We're both parents. He went to the doctor appointment with me, with the kids the other day. Um, and that is the only reason I've been able to chase my dreams. Hmm. And so he, he has even financially supported my dreams because of his dreams. So like, it's not the, it's not the situation where. Um, I'm just like off making a ton of money and he's like, all right, fine. Like you have this dream and you're so successful. Of course, we're going to chase this. Like he's allowed me to do this, um, without a whole lot of commitment and it has affected him. He's probably not going to say that because. No, I would say it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, What would you add to that trip? I would say, um, there are those moments where I'm like, wouldn't life be a little more, orderly, if one of us, doesn't have to be Hannah, but if one of us had more time to give order in the home attention, um, I actually feel like we spend more time with our kids than most parents I know. I mean, we are, both of us, all weekend are with our kids, every evening, every morning. She's actually working at home, so she's here in and out throughout the day. It's not the kids. It's just the order. It's like because both of us are naturally – Creative types, so we we need to exist inside of someone else's structure, and I want Hannah to be my mom and do all that for me. So when not I come his home, his literal
1: mom, but
3: his, yes. you know saying? Saying? his mom, his clean up mom. Yeah,
0: like wait, wait. I thought so, I was going to marry someone who would like be better at this than me. Now I have I have to be the one to like drive the organizational train. It's, it's like, true.
3: Something I'm not falls away. Good Something yeah. has to, something falls away. Like yeah. we always talk about like, you're, I mean, you're probably going to have a really mess, messy house. Like, great. You're both pursuing your dreams. You're both like, loving gotta your give. kids. Yeah. You're both doing it. But then something, you know. No, will
0: the fall. hard thing for me right now that I would add is that I am hitting a different place in, in my career with a different type of energy than her. So I I was this for a long time. I just felt like I had an unlimited amount of energy and passion and drive. And I was, you know, throwing darts against every target I could find. And I've hit a wall. Hmm. And I'm currently at a place where I feel like I need a break. Hmm. And I need to rest and just pause and reinvent and reflect and all those things. But because I'm still like the, the financial contributor to our family.
1: I mean, not the only one, You're not just the like, only ah. one, but like <laughs> if I, force.
0: It, I, I, I didn't know how to say it, but like, <laughs> I, I can't really stop. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I can't really just like, I am in a place where I have to take work to that. I don't necessarily wake up dreaming I get to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm at a place right now, the challenge for me is like, I really want to stop and dream and like Go back to that place where I was 25, and I just start like creating and making stuff for the fun of it again, um, and practice what I preach about chasing your dreams. But I got two kids and a family; it's a little more complicated, and that's where the tension. Because I'm like, oh well, how about let's switch and you do three fourths of the income, and I'll do one fourth. You know, like, and that way I, and then we'll co-parent. You know, and sometimes I feel that, Hmm. and it's not fair, but I. You see what I, you see. What it's the tension hard. would be?
3: That's so hard. So,
0: but wait, but you're leading to
2: you're making a decision. You're going to take a break, right? You, you, you were just a, talking about yeah. this. You're taking a sabbatical. I, I think you're calling it that. Just a season to rethink, right? Mm-hmm. And so, how did you? How are you figuring that out?
1: Well, he's not taking like a pay cut. He's just
0: taking a break. Really,
1: what he did was he like overworks himself the, like these two months so that he can take a month off.
0: Well, really, last year I saved yeah. up for it. Is what yeah. I did. So Um,
3: you planned, you planned for this. Yeah, sort of. I mean,
0: I work for myself, so I have to, as you would understand, I have to stay ahead and usually I am ahead. um, So it's still a little bit of a risk. You know, I'm taking, I'm not pursuing anything for two months Yeah, and I don't really have an agenda. I can't even tell you what my goals are. I like that. And that, that's why I feel like I need the break. Hmm. You know, I I just want to, chill
2: the and reality the reality is you're going to come back with a million ideas but that's a whole different we need to have a se- separate conversation about that yeah uh, I'd love, but i think Oh I, yeah
3: we will we'll give you some good uh sabbatical advice
2: and places to yeah, go i love you're that in.
3: this is like our favorite thing to talk about
2: <laughs> i love i love what you guys shared i think i think that you guys are hitting on the exact tensions that everyone is
0: thinking, but is scared to say. We hear something kind of like that a lot Hmm. from people. It doesn't feel like we said anything that would be scary to say for some reason.
1: But people do say like, that's what we think, but we won't say it. That's what he's saying. He's affirming. Anyway. Well, this is like the whole
3: point of the project is we just feel like not a lot of people are just saying it. So if we just, have conversations with people, couples like you who are honest and vulnerable and will say it and share it, and then maybe more people will talk about this.
0: I maybe. love that you're doing this. Yeah.
2: Which leads me to another question. Okay. <laughs> you two, both of you, have incredible observations. Like you see things around you and you talk about it in ways that most people – I mean, Trip, you've made a living doing this, right? Like you've done videos over the years where it's like, these are funny observations about right. Culture. All, all different things. As you guys have become parents, I'm curious what observations you've seen in other parents that you're like, I wish I could say this out loud. Most people aren't willing to say this, but observations you consistently see in other people.
0: You know what? I, I This is the honest truth, and this is the first thing that came to mind for me. When I look around at other adults... I just think, what's going on in there? Like, I, I, I assume there's just—I just assume there's a lot of hidden stuff. Hmm. I assume people are walking around with smiles on their faces, cheering for their kids, but going home and just dealing with God knows what. I'm just—I'm so curious about it. Is really what like I my like sick fantasy is to be invisible. Not so I can just you know go find naked women. I, it's because I, I want to go in people's homes and observe people's reality. Because hmm. I'm so convinced that most people's reality inside the home, inside their head, is very inconsistent with who they are on the soccer field. Hmm. And even on the outside. I mean, duh. I mean, that's what social media has shown us. But beyond that, I, I even even in real life interactions, I'm always curious what the heck is going on in there. Let's which, talk about
2: it. Which ultimately kind of shows why you guys are interested in digging into the mental health issues and all that kind of stuff. It's like you you know you know deep down, it seems like, and you think about this consistently, that there's people all around you that are that are not dealing with the reality that's right in front of them.
0: The thing that bothers me the most about the world is that people can't just be honest or, or this, this whole thing. And it, it's what motivates me to make comedy or, and like call people out. Cause I want to be like, why are, why are we pretending that this is not the case? Mm-hmm. And um, I remember a mentor when I was in, just out of college, sitting me down and saying like, Hey, you've got to be careful because you're kind of coming across rude and mean, like in the way that you, you're, you're a critical person. And he challenged me, all right, this was powerful. He said, I would, if you have this kind of intuition about what's going on, then I need you to see that as God is showing you something that you can do to help. Mm -hmm. Like you can be a positive force in that area. You don't just have to be the guy that calls it out. And that's been like the journey that I've been on. It's, it's why we want to talk about mental therapy. It's why I want to make satire because I want to call people out. But the reason that I discovered I'm actually bothered is because I don't think people know how free they can feel. Mm -hmm. There's a freedom that I feel like I feel that I notice other people don't feel.
3: Right. When you're honest with what is happening. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And actually, that's something we didn't really touch on that we should really quickly because one of the best things about our relationship is from day one, there were no secrets and there never have been. And we have talked about everything. As far as you know. (laughs) We, oh god. We really, like value um bringing everything to the table, things that are super uncomfortable. And now they're not because like we know, have
0: conversations we, that you probably would think like most people assume you're just not allowed to have as a married couple. Yeah. You know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: That was the funniest. That, okay. I wish we could have that, that video. That w-
0: yeah. I'll tell you this story. This just changed my life. Um Seven. My, Enneagram
1: seven. His life gets changed like every five.
0: <laughs> Enneagram three never lets any of it be legit.
1: Like I'm just kidding. Yeah. I love this story.
0: Um, this changed my life. Uh, just over a year ago, Hannah and I. It was on New Year's Day. We went to lunch in downtown Alpharetta. We hadn't had time alone in a while because we just had Neva two months before that, and we had the one-year-old. So. I felt like I needed to talk to her about the frequency in which I was looking at pornography, Mm -hmm. even though that's been a very open topic in our marriage. Like if, if we were out to dinner and we were just talking about porn, Hannah would be like, I know you look at porn. You know, she's not, I've never had judgment there from her. Um, she's, she's felt that confidence I think because I've always made it known that like, this is something that I'm not for necessarily. Um, I have devices in my life to try and like protect you, know, you. Yeah. Protect me, whatever. Um, but Hannah's not she's no dummy. She's like one of the few women that I think actually realizes that men are looking at porn hmm. just more than they're ever gonna admit. Like they're just yeah. they're doing it. I mean, there are exceptions, but everybody's looking at it. I'm sorry if you're a wife right now and you're thinking my husband doesn't look at it. Yes, he does more than you think. Um, and I just wanted to bring Hannah into, into that. And it was the first time in five years I was actually scared to talk to her about something, even though I knew it wasn't going to be in trouble necessarily. I just, this was like bringing her into the next layer. Hmm. And so I don't even remember what I said. But I told her, hey, like one thing as I go into this new year that I really, something I really want to combat more in my life is like the frequency in which I'm looking at things that I shouldn't look at on the internet. Um, I don't think it's good for me and I don't think it's good for us. And I was probably shaking when I told her and Hannah looked at me and her words were, I'm so sorry. going to tear up over here. Give me a second. So that was a moment in my life that I got to experience amazing freedom Mm. from being able to be totally honest and totally accepted and finding compassion in return. And that was the beginning. That was day one of the first entire year of my life that I've been porn free. Mm. And that struggle has been up and down. You know, I, I I don't think I was ever at a point where I needed to go to a 12 step group. And I definitely had seasons where I had more accountability in my life, but I do spend nights away in hotel rooms by myself. That's part of my job. And I do, you know, we've been, we've had, we've had two kids, like this is not gonna be our sexual peak in our marriage. <laughs> and this year wasn't, but there was something. Shit. <laughs>
3: You are killing me.
0: There was something about the ability to just be that honest that radically changed that part of my life. Mm-hmm. i would I combine that with a, a two year, three year, maybe even five year process of my perspective of God changing mm-hmm. to being more like that. Yeah, then. a guy who I have to behave or not, who I'm always either behaving or not behaving for. But that combined with it, Hannah treating me that way, I was finally able to change something about my life because simply because I believed it was a healthier existence, Mm -hmm. not because I was afraid of doing something wrong. And those are two different things. Mm -hmm. It's like not, not, looking at porn was like me now going to the gym regularly. It's like, I want to be better, healthier Mm -hmm. for me, for Hannah, for my kids, for my community, for the world Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with guilt or Mm -hmm. shame or feeling like I got to get my act together. I got to behave or, or, or I'm scared of what'll happen. It was there. It's a, it's a difference. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that, is what I get from her. Hmm.
3: That was like the best story I've ever heard.
1: Oh, I'm just left here. to. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so my point was that not having secrets and being able to be open with each other has been the most freeing. I, I didn't know we could feel this free and I, yeah. we want that for other marriages yeah. and it's, it's so rare. Hmm. Um,
0: you Just recovering amazing. over here. I know
2: you two are amazing. <laughs> we last have question. one last question for you. We need each of you to interview to answer this individually. But um, is it possible for both of you to be living out your purpose, your dreams, and stay in love and raise a healthy family? What is your opinion on this big question? It's a hard question.
0: The way I see it is those three things are they're meters and I don't think they can all be at level 10 all the time. Hmm. Hmm. It's like you have three meters that equal 30 total points, but you're only given 20. Hmm. So you've got to kind of take some of the points out of one and put them in the other seasonally. That would be my best understanding of how that works as a person who's still learning. If I was fully pursuing my career as much as I wanted to right now, and so is she, we'd have to live in two different cities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like mm-hmm. the family meter would be, it would be like 15, 15 and five in the family one.
1: I was actually going to say- Wait, that something. doesn't make sense. It's
0: 10, 10 and
1: five. I was going to say something similar. I think- 10, 10, zero. I do feel like it's a, it's a constant balancing act. Um, I do think it's possible, but I think we have to see when each other needs more and, and kind of like there are weeks I just give to him, like you're, it's going to be a busy couple weeks. Like this is yours. And I kind of take more at home or, um, you know, take, have some sacrifices at work. And then we like, we're just a team. We have to be a team and let each other, um, you know, give and take when we need to. And then, you know, make sure our kids are, are staying right up there with our dreams. Um, so I don't, I agree. I don't ever think that everything just gets all of us at once. That's not possible. But um, sometimes I just
0: right now, sometimes I wish I could just take a year or even just six months and just be like, okay, you have all this energy for what you're doing go do like go do all of that for six months and I will pick up all the other slack.
3: Hmm. It's just,
0: that's not possible. Bills. (laughs) (laughs) America savings America. Right. I'm like obsessing over all the like, uh, minimalism stuff, the simplicity stuff, because I just, I, I really want to, I want to make sure that the reason we can't have 30 total points isn't because we just need something that we don't really need. Yeah. It's, it's, causing us to maintain to this level crazy. of lifestyle yeah. yeah yeah
3: because it's so easy to let these like cultural expectations filter in and you don't um, even realize it right yeah well thank you guys you were amazing. Yeah. I don't think I've cried so much in a podcast with a comedian oh. in my whole life. Just kidding. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's what people mean when they're like, I thought you were gonna make me laugh and you made
3: me cry. I'm yeah. teasing Trip. You know I'm teasing.
2: Actually, it's funny. There's been two episodes. I
3: cried with Foxer. With
2: Jeff Foxer too. <laughs> that's funny. interesting. He made me cry too. They were they were like, incredible. Both
3: awesome. the funny the supposed funny people. He's so deep and amazing, I was like bawling, so
0: Um, The only reason I think we like to do comedy is because everything else feels so painful.
3: Yeah, and it's so deep within you that Hmm. you don't know, like, it's your... uh,
0: It's the only way we know how to deal with the things that seem so hard. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: And now it's time for the breakdown.
3: That, that last story, I am still a little teary-eyed.
2: Yeah, thank you, Trip. Thank you, Hannah, for sharing that.
3: Yeah. Um, okay, let's go back. Let's kind of do the whole thing, and we'll get to that story. Yeah. What, what was something that was meaningful for you?
2: I, um, I love when they went to California. They kind of talked about this idea of building an identity as a couple.
3: Mm, Yeah.
2: And we didn't go in depth in that. But I think there's something there. We you and I have talked a lot about this because we did a similar thing right after we got married. We moved to Chicago. We moved to Atlanta. And separate from our family, it was some of the most healthiest things we did was trying to figure out, Okay, we still would talk with our family every week and getting advice from them on decisions we made. But ultimately, we were creating this new identity together. And I think there's something special about that and um, and freeing in that. And so that was a big, I thought, I really connected with that.
3: Yeah. I also really loved the uh, advice from Andy Stanley oh, about generous explanations. And I think you could also say that in a way of just not assuming that the other that we know the other person's intentions immediately, you know. And Hmm. it's so hard to do when you're hurt and you're angry and you're upset at that person. You know, we just, we assume the worst. Mm. I mean, we so, I do. I quickly assume the worst. And I think that's such a great way to think about it, like just allowing a generous explanation. Yeah. And how that could... Turn the conversation around or turn this conflict into something that could be more of a growth.
2: Yeah, I want that to be part of our. I want that. I want, I want to tell myself that when we're fighting. Like, I want to be able to tell myself, I need to let Andre have a generous explanation to this moment. It reminds me, there's something else that it, it kind of reminded me of. of we got some advice um, in reading some things by Tim Keller. Um, years ago, about like in every in every argument, maybe you're ten percent wrong. Like to rem- remind yourself, and it, it kind of goes in that same space for me. Like in because our arguments get intense, right?
3: Oh, well, we fight,
2: folks, and we fight. So what are what are you telling yourself in the midst of this? Are you telling yourself, you know, giving giving grace to your partner in that? I think I.
3: I mean, I don't most of the time we're we're saying I'm right, right, and you're wrong, right. But no, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> You're ridiculous so
2: generous explanations yes that was really really good
3: so let's talk about this porn story well i think
2: i think the interesting thing in it, in it is regardless of the topic it, the question is can we live without secrets with our partner
3: can we talk can we have a relationship everything is on the table Sure, and we still talk about it and we still stay in it and we still fight for our relationship.
2: Hmm. And are willing to kind of go, yeah, in the midst of the tensions of society that invade our lives every day, can we talk about it? Can we love each other? Can we be open about it? And, and then
3: we meet with how Hannah met him yeah. with grace and mm. empathy.
2: And understanding.
3: Yeah. That's so powerful. That's
2: beautiful. And, and sit in that knowing that we still love one another.
3: Yeah. I'm obviously still choked up about this. Mm-hmm. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Mm. Jeff, you take it away.
2: I think what I learned from Trip and Hannah today, and this has been for us in our relationship, and every day I feel like it, different things come out together. I feel like in the, even in the last year, I think you and I have shared more and more and more and more together and been okay with each other's thoughts and faults and stuff. Yeah, stuff. And I love what Trip said when he was talking about the soccer field interacting with people and realizing that there's a story that we're all living on the outside. And then there's a story when we go home and the things that are happening within each of us. And the question is in relationship, can we, can we share the other stuff? If he was invisible and he was in that scenario with us, would, would we be willing to share those things with one another and there is no doubt that I think in every relationship, deep down we want that, but do we have the courage to actually go there?
3: Yeah, and then the impact, I mean, trips at it. It's freedom, mm. how free he feels and how he wants to live his life differently in freedom, but also just in health, you know, not in guilt and not in shame, um, but in freedom and in health.
2: There is one other thing I wanted to hit on before we're done. And that is that how Hannah wants her daughter to view her in relation to living out her dreams. Mm -hmm. I thought that was something really, really powerful to not miss also. That as parents, we are painting a picture of the possibility of what our kids could do.
3: Yeah. And what do you want your kids to see? What do you want your kids to watch Mm -hmm. in you? Um, and I love that she wants to have her kids watch their mom pursue her passions. Mm. She wants her girl, her, her daughter to see that. I think it's just as important for sons to see that about women.
2: Yeah, and I think with what Trip was talking about earlier, it's like I think that that mentality of honesty and no secrets and, and vulnerability, that's actually the thing also that's going to translate into their kids. So, man, thank you so much, Trip. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thank you for your time and for your wisdom and your vulnerability. This is a podcast that I believe uh, should be shared because I think people can learn from it and grow together.
3: Yes. So pass this along to anybody you think of and tag some friends if you're listening mm. or you um, comment at our um, Instagram, at loverwork. Um, but share this with people. Please share this. It's so important and such a great conversation to have.
2: We'll see you next week. This is another episode of Love or Work.
3: This episode was produced by DJ Oak Diggy for Soul Graffiti Productions.